Hello everyone, my name is James Bakken. Welcome to the Notorious Banker Podcast. Listen to this number, although it may change because of current events here. 25,000 plus amazing followers on social media. At BankBetterGuy on Twitter, 3,200 plus. At Notorious Banker on Instagram, 4,000 plus. Um, at Notorious Banker on TikTok, nearly 18,000 followers. Um, 3.1 million views and a permanent banning from TikTok that I am currently appealing. We'll get to that in a second. But 25,000 amazing followers. Um, anything happened at Bank of America this week? I don't know. I'm, I'm so confused here. Um, in the entire four-year history of this podcast, you know, we've had a lot of stories about Bank of America. Of course, that's where I used to work. I was a manager. Um, 13 years working at the company, part-time teller, full-time teller, senior teller, sales and service specialist, personal banker, relationship manager. I did a lot of jobs, so I know that place up and down. And yeah, there's always little stories here that are Bank of America that tick people off or that gauge um, the interest of a lot of people. But what happened this week was um, on another level of, of bank news, because it crossed over to mainstream media. New York Times had a big uh, story about this particular incident. CNN, Good Morning America. And, you know, I typically watch the local news here in El Paso, uh, the El Paso area. And afterwards, Entertainment Tonight comes out. And it was on fucking Entertainment Tonight. The Ryan Coogler Bank of America arrest for allegedly attempting to rob a Bank of America in the Buckhead section of Atlanta, Georgia. Guys, I gotta tell you, this is one of the most ridiculous things I have ever seen Bank of America do, and I have been indirectly involved as a customer, employee, or um, commentator on Bank of America since 2003, is when I started um, banking at Bank of America. Without a doubt, the most insane story um, of the last few years with Bank of America, and there's been some doozies, trust me, over the years, and um, here I am. I was smack dab in the middle of it. What can I say? You know, I woke up, I saw the story, and I knew that my week was going to change because of it. Um, because of the nature of the story, and it's because it's something that we actually saw about a month ago in a less dramatic form. and something that I have seen personally and something that I've talked about with so many customers over the years on the Notorious Bankers um, podcast and, of course, my social media channels. Um, but once again, guys, thank you so very much for the love and support on social media. It has not been the best week for me since Friday, I'll be honest with you. Um, woke up, Friday morning is typically a time my wife and I go to the grocery store. We go get some Starbucks and we, you know, hang out a little bit before she goes to, um, to work. Um, there's like $5 deals on Fridays at the grocery store. So we usually go pick up a big slab of bacon, you know, a couple of things like that. Go pick up some Starbucks and just chill out. So I wake up, go to the restroom, and hey, whip out the phone while I'm there, huh? And um, you have been permanently banned from TikTok at Notorious Banker. And, you know, to say that my, my heart dropped, it did, but I wasn't surprised. The level of volatility of this story took took an amazing hold of my social media channels. Um, on TikTok, I posted several videos about Coogler, um, Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther, Creed, and other fine films. An amazing person from all accounts, from what I've read in the last week. And, um, 
you know, what can I say? When I saw the incident happen, and we'll get to that after the commercial break here, but after I saw the incident happen, I knew my week would change. I knew that the content that I had to provide had to be specific to what was going on with Bank of America at that time. So I did that. I got a following. I got a lot of volatility on the comments. And, and we'll talk about that as well. But there's a lot of people who just blame him for everything. And yeah, you can call it underlying racism if you want. I, I do. Um, but, you know, there's always someone looking to blame someone else for, you know, what they did. And it's not like that, okay? Not everything is someone's fault. Um, but there was a lot going on with that, and I knew that I had to do um, specific content about that. And I got a pretty good following. And I'm going to get to how I got a hold of the the police body cam footage. I'm going to link to all that in the show notes because you guys really need to check it out. But holy crap, man, seeing how crazy it got on Twitter. I had to get off Twitter on Friday. And then when I got, quote, permanently banned from TikTok on Friday, I knew that this was the mother load of um, things going on. So I'm currently appealing my TikTok ban um, and I'm waiting for a response for them. Apparently, this has been happening to a lot of content creators and a lot of it has to do with the virality of your post depending on the topic you're talking about. So people who are you know, anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers or whatever, they go through stuff like this. People who are pro-Russia. <laughs> I can't believe I am in the group with these people. And um, someone like me who is talking about a company that I worked for and talking about the, the police interaction that was done with Ryan Coogler, the director, the Atlanta Police Department and Bank of America, I had a, a certain viewpoint that not a lot of people had because I've seen both sides of it. I've called the cops on customers, not because they were black and presented two IDs like Ryan Coogler. I've called the cops whenever there was FIP, when there was fraud in progress, and I felt that my bank and our, our people were at risk. The teller that did this did not believe that she was at as much at risk as she likes to put on. Because if that was the case, she would have alerted her co-workers. She would have alerted more than her, her direct boss, the assistant manager. And a lot more would have went down in a more abrupt way. And hell, if, if she would have thought that a robbery was taking place, I think Ryan Coogler would have had the understanding that, oh shit, something's going down. But he was standing there being stalled by the bank employees, something I used to do until the cops got there to take his ass down. God, that's wrong, man. That's wrong. And I can't believe I used to get a paycheck um, and take training for stuff like that. It's just, it's just beyond me. But as I said, I'm currently appealing this ban on TikTok and... I really think that I have a good chance of getting it overturned. I really think I have a case because I do not have any strikes against me. Um, with all the stuff that we talk about with banking and stuff, I am not um, disclosing non-public information. And what I mean by non-public information is, you know, things that were leaked to me from Bank of America, corporate, or someone in a branch that they only had a right to know. I am sitting on the sidelines as a casual observer of the Ryan Coogler incident like a lot of you, but the only thing that's different with me is that I had 13 years on the front lines of working in a bank. So I have been the stupid teller. I have been the stupid supervisor. I've been the smart supervisor. I have been the stupid banker. I have been the smart banker. I have been the stupid manager, and I have been the smart manager. I was not smart immediately while working at Bank of America. I took my lumps. I made some mistakes. I pissed customers off. But you know what I did? I matured. I learned from it. And I learned how to do things the right way and not to do things a certain way. Well, this teller did both, okay? They, they did things a certain way to get this person in trouble. 
And they didn't do things the right way. They did things the wrong way. And Ryan Coogler could have ended up dead because of it. So I'm going to probably go unfiltered for about 50 minutes after this brief promotional consideration. Because I really think we need to talk about this Coogler incident. Not break down piece for piece what happened. Because you've already seen that shit a million times. But I'm just going to go over my bullet points of what went down. I'm going to be under the assumption that you have seen the Ryan Coogler arrest video. And, the, and you already know kind of the story of what went down at Bank of America before you clicked on this Notorious Banker podcast. So I'm going to break down as a former bank manager what went wrong with these idiots at this Bank of America in Buckhead in Atlanta, Georgia, and why two people for sure should be fired. A third person, I don't think so. And, and, and reverberations throughout the Bank of America hierarchy should be made clear because of this Ryan Coogler incident. So I know you've been waiting for four days to hear my, my two cents on this story. I got a lot on my mind, my friends. And five days away from the story first breaking, all I got to say is I'm done talking about it after this podcast. I, I will respond to people on Twitter and on TikTok when I get back on there. But holy shit, man. I, I've, I've never seen a Bank of America story blow up like this. And and it deserved to, okay? It deserved to. So, my friends, I'll be right back to break it all down for you right after this. So, please stick around. Hey, everyone. It's James, Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on TikTok. That's at Notorious Banker on TikTok, where nearly 16,000 people have followed me so far. Now, I've got to be honest with you. As a nearly 39-year-old person, I'm still trying to figure out TikTok, learning all the different filters, learning how to edit, learning how to be funny and informative in a short amount of time. And thankfully, I have family members to help me with that. Uh, But one of the things I do on TikTok is the same thing that I do on Twitter. I talk about big banks. I talk about how to avoid the perils of bad customer service at big banks. All the while telling you stories about my nearly 15 years in the banking industry and also giving you little fun facts and information about the banking industry as a whole. It's something in my personal opinion that is unique to TikTok. You know, it's not just about dance moves and pretty girls. Uh, We're talking about banks and we're having an interesting discussion with younger folks about their perspective on big banks. So I implore you to go to at Notorious Banker on TikTok and join the nearly 16,000 people who have already seen what the Notorious Banker is capable of on social media. All right, everyone, I'm back with more Notorious Banker podcast. And as I mentioned, this will probably be the only segment of this podcast. I, I, I told you guys about my TikTok ban, and all I, could, all I could tell you is I'm currently appealing. I really think I'm going to win, and if not, um, hey, it's on with Bank of America because they indirectly got me banned. Uh, from TikTok because of um, quote policy violations, which I don't understand. I uh, you know whenever I make content, I make sure to follow the rules to the T because you know I'm a banker. I understand what rules are. I understand why things need to be. And you know what? I don't want anyone to be hurt. And 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 trust me, I'm gonna say some bad shit about Erica Glass, the Bank of America teller in Atlanta, Georgia, in this podcast. But you know what? Her and her baby, I want them to have a healthy, prosperous life. I don't want her to fucking work in banking again, but I really hope the best for her and her child. And I hope that she's is safe, and I hope that she's happy. It's probably not fun to go through what she's went through this week, and I'm just trying to be nice here. And and frankly, um, I, I don't think I could handle it. If it was James Baca who did some stupid shit like that, 
Um, knowing what my mental state can be at times whenever I get severely depressed, it would be hard to, to make it through that week. I'll just put it that way. And I don't mean to be morbid or anything. I'm just saying it's it's scary stuff. So I, I yeah, you, you suck at your job, but... I, you know, as a person, I'm not a man of faith. I'm not a Christian or anything like that. But you know what? I just, I just want you to be happy, and I want your kid to be ha- healthy and happy, and have a mom that gives a shit about about it. You know, and that's all I got to say about that. But oh my God, man, this this story has just blown up in epic proportions here. You know, with the social media ban of of yours truly on TikTok, all I got to say is. Um, you could tell the the volatility of the story whenever every one of their grandma was talking about it. It was on Good Morning America. My mom watches Good Morning America. She knew about that story. You know, all these little bank stories they talk about. Yeah, they're in the New York Times sometimes. Yeah, they're in the LA Times, Chicago Tribune or whatever. But, you know, people just kind of glance through it and they go, Oh, yeah, look what happened at the bank. You know, a famous director got arrested. Oh, I wonder what happened. And they don't understand the context of it. But you know what the thing is? Everyone has a job and everyone thinks that their job is the most important job in the world and everyone learns all these little things and little skills, little tricks, little nuances about their job and they want to tell everyone about those nuances to show how much they're committed to working in that job. I love banking without a doubt. I will never fucking work in a branch bank again, but I can tell you is I love all that little shit. I always used to say, I'm a fantasy sports player. I love fantasy football, basketball, and whatnot. I love stats. I love numbers. And if you work in a bank, whether you're a teller just doing service transactions for a customer or whether you're a banker trying to sell mortgages and checking accounts, there's a bunch of stats and numbers there for you, and I fucking love every single bit of it. And funny enough, what happened with Ryan Coogler has to do with numbers and processes and and reports and stuff like that and i'll get to that during this conversation that we're gonna have here because there's a lot going on so as i mentioned in the opener i really i'm gonna talk to you as if you've seen the video and you've probably seen at least the cliff's notes five minute version of him being arrested so let me just kind of go over the things that you know already about this on January 7, 2022, in Atlanta, in Buckhead, um, and, and what I know about Buckhead is what, you know, the average person knows about Atlanta, I guess, which is, you know, who doesn't live there, which is not much, but I know Buckhead is a very highfalutin area of Atlanta. You know, I'm sure Tyler Perry Studios, where Ryan Coogler was working, is in that area. My wife's been once. I, I want to go there. But just like any other city, there's the good part of town and the bad part of town. And Buckhead, from all intents and purposes, um, from what I've heard, is the, quote, good part of town. And it's ironic that it happened in the good part of town because it just kind of highlights the the classism and the, you know, nose-up-in-the-air-ism that Bank of America does sometimes. Um, The address of the bank is 1280 West Paces Ferry Road Northwest. You know, this is when I'm thankful that I live in New Mexico and you live on 123 Main Street or, you know, 1106 Monte Vista. 1280 West Paces Ferry Road Northwest. I, I'm just not a city dude, so I, I, I don't get what those addresses. Anyway, that's where the Bank of America was, where on January 7th, Ryan Coogler, a famed movie director of the movie Creed, uh, and of course, Black Panther, one of the most successful movies of all time, goes into a bank to withdraw $12,000 cash from a Bank of America branch, as he's done many times before in various cities across the country. 
He presents his card inside the QST terminal, the quick service terminal, terminal, excuse me, which is the little machine that's in front of the teller. I helped install those things in 2007 while working at Bank of America. They've been around for 15 long years. This is not new fucking technology. So whenever they tell you to slide your card and enter your PIN, that allows the teller to be more comfortable with you. Is there fraud with those things? Absolutely. And the notorious banker has helped people who have been defrauded by crooks inside Bank of America branches. And Bank of America subsequently denies that customer from any claim saying, hey, use this terminal. That must mean it's you. It's a valid transaction. So anyway, I digress. Ryan Coogler slides his card in the QST, enters in his PIN. That's good for a valid ID up to $5,000. He says he needs to take $12,000 out. He gives a second form of ID, which is a California driver's license. And I'm gonna I'm gonna interject something about California driver's licenses uh, shortly here. But he provides two valid forms of ID. Bank of America has a system called Merlin Teller. It's an old piece of shit system that they've used literally since like the late 90s. It's the it's the lifeblood of the teller transaction. That's how you take money out. That's how you enter in IDs. That's where you get your boss to do supervisor overrides and whatnot. It's it's not it's not a system that you're unfamiliar with if you work in a branch. Even a banker who doesn't have access to that system understands how it kind of works. So he presents two IDs, the, the slid debit card with a pin and his driver's license, which that is the maximum amount of IDs that a teller can input onto the system in order to proceed with that transaction. Now, can every transaction just go through you know, within 15 seconds without a hitch? No. Whenever a transaction is over $10,000 in one cent, Bank of America fills out what's called a CTR form. Some people call it an LCR form, which basically says that you're withdrawing over $10,000 from a financial institution. And per some federal rule, they have to report it to the government that you're doing these large dollar cash transactions. There are people who try to skirt it. There have been people who have been arrested for trying to skirt it. It's called structuring. It's illegal. And it can get you banished from banking in the U.S. He didn't care about that because he wants to just get his money. Ryan Coogler wanted to withdraw that money as he probably did before. Because he needed to pay a debt to someone. And, and that was his nurse. His, his baby's nurse. He gives the two IDs. He, he gets a, a... We'll be right with you, sir. I just need to get my boss for something. Chills out. According to all accounts, including from Ryan Coogler himself, and of course from the bank manager who was interviewed, you know, people go up to him and say, oh, Have you been helped? Oh, okay, then I'll be, they'll be right with you. We're sorry about the way it's been kind of a busy day. I did that. The Notorious Banker has done that before. Whenever we're stalling people for fraud in progress, they're like, oh, yeah, just go ahead and have a seat. Um, there's just a couple things. You know, we got to get the money out, whatnot. And, and shit like that does happen. You know, for legit transactions, you got to get money out from the vault. You got to get a boss to override and stuff like that. I'm sure he's dealt with at least some parts of that before Ryan Coogler, that is. But then it, it, it goes without saying, you know, in that time where they said, well, we'll be right with you. Erica Glass, the teller, places a 911 call saying that she believes that she's being robbed because Ryan Coogler, after asking to withdraw $12,000, passes a note to her. And it says, um, can you do me a favor and please be discreet about this transaction and count my money without the money counter somewhere else? I'm just going to get to it really quick here. That is not an abnormal thing. I have had people who are just random Joes who take out large chunks of money. Don't want to draw attention to themselves saying, can you count that money out 
silently or can you just run through the counter and can I see how much the counter says or can you take me to an office and count it there? I have done all three of those things. So that's not an abnormal thing for me. So he asks on the letter, can you do that for me? Erica Glass, the teller, mistakes it for a bank robbery. So she calls 911 and she alerts her boss, which is the assistant manager, someone we don't talk a lot about um, in this story here. We only talk about the manager and the teller. Well, the assistant manager is technically her boss. She alerts the assistant manager and the assistant manager agrees with her that something's going on. And they call the cops. But what Erica Glass says is that, hey, this person is robbing the bank. Person on the phone says, well, what happened? And she talks about the note saying, you know, can you take out $12,000? Can you do it discreetly? So on and so forth. And then she mentioned he has a hoodie on and he has a hat on and sunglasses on. Doesn't mean anything, okay? It doesn't mean anything. Clothes are clothes. And I know a lot of you on social media saying, well, he's wearing sunglasses whatever. Yeah, and for two years, everyone's been fucking wearing masks that cover 65% of their face. So you can be like, oh my god, remember remember those jokes in 2020 during COVID? Whenever COVID was first brand new, and are like, oh, they're going to think I'm holding up the grocery store here. Yeah, what a fucking funny joke. We're still wearing masks. I, I'm wearing a mask to the grocery store. And yeah, I know, I know what a lot of you are going to say. Why are you doing that? Because, you know what, people in the grocery store are gross, okay? Like, the, the people that walk around with shopping carts are coughing, they're sneezing and stuff like that. And you know what, fuck COVID. I don't want to get sick with, a, with the common cold. I don't. But people wear masks, and that's going to be the new norm, as, 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 as shitty as it is. Some people are just going to prefer to wear masks, and that, that's the prerogative of that person. Unless you put anti-mask notes at banks all of a sudden again, then you're going to have this shit happen. So what if he's wearing sunshades and a hat and a hoodie or whatever? That's his prerogative. But no, she says that he's weird because he passes no, and he's wearing that, so he must be robbing the bank. Police get sent over point their guns at him, arrest him, detain him in the back of his police car, in the back of the police car for like 20 minutes. They detain his party, which includes an older, I believe, Asian or Hispanic lady, um, which is his baby's nurse and his driver. And I'm not quite sure the the relationship between Ryan Coogler and the driver. But the people in that car were put under arrest while they figured this shit out too. After about 20, 30 minutes, according to police cam footage, you go, well... Looks like this dude is guilty of just wanting to take money out of his account. So why the fuck did you call us? And apologies uh, on behalf of Bank of America are made by the unnamed branch manager to Ryan Coogler. And Ryan Coogler is understandably pissed. I would be too. And even the cops in the police body cam footage are just talking amongst themselves like... Like, he was just trying to be quiet about it. You know, he was trying to take money out. Like, and the cops were literally like, what the fuck was this? Like, why are we here? Why are we in this? And, you know, of course, Ryan Coogler says, I want all of your badge numbers and this and that. I understand that part of it. From his perspective, the cops were not his friend at that point, too. It was the bank's fault 100%. There was not 1% of that that was the cops' fault. And I'll get to why in a second. Because I, I, I you know, this is kind of a, a, a line of demarcation between me and the people who just want... Everyone fired, including the cops or whatever, for this thing. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my two cents on it. And whether you agree with me or not, that's fine. I, I understand where you're coming from, though. And, of course, this shit um, happens on January 7th. You know, he drives away. He continues to finish Black Panther 2. Two months later, all of a sudden, this is this story is broke. And, and why it takes two months, I'm not sure. I figured one part of it is a Bank of America internal investigation. The same kind of internal investigation that got my ass fired about four years ago. 
whenever they claimed that I was making up a, a fake account for someone, which is a long story. Um, but yeah, there's these things, you know, these complaint processes that are escalated within Bank of America. And I know those things take time because I used to be the facilitator of those complaints. And I know there's people behind the scenes that work on shit. So there's that part of it. I'm sure internal security, corporate security interviewed the tellers and the managers and gave them the third degree and they sorted it out. And probably the manager and the tellers were either reprimanded or fired. I, I don't know. I, I wish I knew that part of it. But I know it takes time for that. But then this TMZ story pops up that says Ryan Coogler detained at a bank. And this is funny. When this happened on last Wednesday, you know, I, I had a long night. I always have a long Tuesday night because I'm always um, coupon clipping on online. And it's a long story, but I do my grocery shopping on Wednesday. So I stay up coupon clipping and I pulled the late night, went to bed about two in the morning, kind of just half half awake looking at my phone. I see a TMZ story and it says Ryan Coogler detained a bank alleged to be a bank robber by passing a note and this was just a banner headline on my facebook i immediately knew it was bank of america not based on the picture but based on the sheer fucking just stupidity of the of the story that headline that is so convoluted and complicated and makes absolutely no sense how that possibly could have happened can only happen at Bank of America. One of my favorite writers, and honestly one of my favorite podcasters now because he doesn't write anymore, is Bill Simmons. A uh, very popular man who has a very popular sports podcast. In fact, I'm missing it right now to record this podcast after a few days of not wanting to talk about this anymore. But Bill Simmons had this thing called the Tyson Zone. And he referenced it last week on his podcast where in the early 2000s there was something um, about Mike Tyson called the Tyson Zone that he created. And basically what it meant was since Mike Tyson went to prison, used to wreck his Lamborghinis into trees, bit off of Vander Holyfield's ear, got a tattoo on his face the day before a fight, there's always these crazy stories of surrounding Mike Tyson. You know, he owns pet tigers and whatnot. We all know that from The Hangover. But this thing that Simmons said was, with the Tyson Zone, that you can hear any story about there like any mad libs type of thing like you know mike tyson went to starbucks and he took a leak in the trash can and you just believe it because it's mike tyson you're like yeah that sounds like something mike tyson would do well i i do that but with bank of america because of the 13 years i worked there because of the times i got in trouble i've told you stories before where i got fucking written up for hitting the f11 button for god's sakes when i hear that a famous movie director was arrested and detained and he was allegedly posing as a bank robber. I was like, that can only fucking be Bank of America. I, I, I swear to God. I had drool on my face still. I had crusties in my eyes. I looked at that and I said, Ryan Coogler, Bank of America, banker, bank robber. That has to be Bank of America. It has to. I clicked on the TMZ story and it's fucking A, Bank of America in Atlanta, Georgia said that he was a bank robber. I knew it. I knew it because this is the place. That I grew up in. I became an adult in. I know everything about it. I bought into the bullshit over there. So I understand the way that they think. I understand the the lengths they go to actually believe the bullshit that they generate in their brain. 
you know, everyone is committing fraud on you and every every person that walks into your office, they want that mortgage. They want that home equity land. They want a second credit card. You get brainwashed into believing these things about people which are just not true. They brainwash you into doing sales for them for things that people don't need. And then and in the last five years or so, Bank of America has brainwashed its associates to believe that everyone is committing fraud on them. And and because of the lack of money in the vault, not everyone um, can just get out their money at any time. You got to let them know that, hey, sir, you got to pre-order that money because, God forbid, $12,000 is a lot of money. Not to a bank. We used to handle half a million dollars in Las Cruces, fucking New Mexico. Imagine a rich area like Buckhead, Atlanta. They should have a million dollars in there at all times, in my personal opinion. So there's all these things that happened, okay? But he gets detained. All this stuff happens. I read the TMZ story, and it's like 7 o'clock in the morning local time. And I knew that this shit was going to blow up. So I literally just threw on my little dress shirt and my jacket, put on my, my little ring light, and did a TikTok video, which got 290,000 views that day. And then I found some body cam footage that I chopped up, got another two, three hundred thousand on that. I found the nine one one call, got another eight hundred thousand on that. And then you know that night I was just kind of trying to figure out you know what else to do because um, I was trying to learn how to be more viral on TikTok, and there's ways to do that and manipulate it without breaking rules or whatever. And they say that whenever you have a viral video, just start churning out shit. Because, you know, uh, you know, the rising tide will raise all ships. So I started just making more content about it. So late Wednesday night, a full 18 hours after the story broke, I'm just chilling out, just reading stories. Because it's in every, you know, news channel, local and national. It's in a lot of newspapers. Even my Las Cruces Sun News had a story about it. And then I saw the New York Times thing, and I follow a lot of New York Times reporters. In fact, the last podcast I did had New York Times reporters on it. Um, well, a story about them on it. I wish they could be on my podcast, but a story that they had in the New York Times, I did a discussion about it. But they had the story about Ryan Coogler, and I read it. And then I read the tweets, and then it, it mentioned that according to other body cam footage that was released by the city of Atlanta... The teller said this and teller said that. I'm like, the teller said, I didn't see that video. Where's that at? I fucking went on a two-hour search for the body cam footage. And, of course, trained to think like a media person. I immediately went to City Atlanta's website. I looked for press releases, didn't find it there. Went to the Atlanta Police Department, went to the news releases, and sure enough, it was there. And now whenever like I clicked on the link, it didn't say Bank of America Ryan Coogler incident, you know, to catch your eye. It said, incident on 1280 West Perry Races Road Northwest, whatever the fuck it's called. And I'm like, hey, that's it. <laughs> I clicked on it, and there was five gigabytes of police cam footage a lot it's a lot of data it's a lot to download on my little computer here and on my phone my phone fucking hated me the day after because i was downloading and viewing and i was live streaming on tiktok and all kinds of shit i was doing so much stuff on there it was just ridiculous it was just a lot going on but i, I sat down and i watched that video on thursday and then i shared it and i got you know tens of thousands of more views just on that alone but I came to the conclusion of a lot of things here. And and 
I already talked about this for 20 minutes, and I'm, hopefully I can do another 20, but we'll see. Um, all I can say is seeing that video and seeing it from the perspective of the cop is, is one thing, okay? Understandable, and, and I'm glad the city of Atlanta did that. But seeing the interviews with the branch manager, kind of just the assistant manager just lurking around, and then the teller, Eric Glass, and, and knowing the processes of what happened at Bank of America and what's happened to me and the mistakes that I made and the things that I did right and the things that got yelled at um, for, you know, I have I have opinions on this. So um, I posted all the videos of the police body cam footage on my YouTube page. I'll link to in the show notes. But on all the YouTube videos I posted, I put the quote facts, which, you know, I say quote facts as as they are actual facts and not what well, my opinion of facts are. These are the things that I know about this Bank of America incident. And I'll wrap it up from here because I know you guys have heard a lot about it. And I know you wanted to hear my two cents. So I did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bullet points that are on all of my YouTube videos on here. And I want to just hit um, all of them here and just kind of let you know why I said these things. First of all, there was a lot of people complaining about why the fuck is he writing a note, okay? And we'll get to that. It's like the fifth bullet point in a second here. But they're saying, well, well, TMZ said that he gave them a withdrawal slip for $12,000. And other people said, well, he was handing them a withdrawal slip. I will say this. Ryan Coogler was not giving the bank teller a withdrawal slip. Because bullet point number one, Bank of America does not have paper withdrawal slips, withdrawal forms. Ryan Coogler was not at fault um, in any sense of the words for handing a piece of paper. Because if they did have withdrawal slips, he's still handing a piece of paper. And theoretically, that idiot teller would still think it's a robbery, right? But people are saying, well, he should have used the withdrawal slip, this and that. Okay, here's just a policy thing for Bank of America since I was 19 years old. They have counter checks, which are technically withdrawal slips. But 99% of branches do not have those withdrawal slips at the little um, customer stations. Because that's not how they do withdrawals. Everything is digital. Everything's electronic. Okay, so if you want to take out 12000 it's an electronic withdrawal. Their system, Merlin Teller, has an electronic withdrawal thing. Where you're going to sign a withdrawal form. You're going to present an ID or maybe two, depending on the amount. In his case, two. And then at that point, a teller will count out your money, finish the transaction, and that's the end of that. So people are saying that, you know, why didn't he use a withdrawal slip? That way it looked more legit. Well, there's none. And he's probably written on, it was a deposit slip he wrote on. It was a deposit slip that he used to write on there. Perfectly fine. And, you know, people are laughing, saying, oh, he wrote in the do not write here area, whatever. And that's fine. They don't have scrap paper at banks. They don't. Because those are how you write robbery notes. So he used a bank form to write the note. That should have been okay. I think it's okay. Uh, But people are blaming him for that. Well, the bank doesn't have that. And I'm sure he's asked before and he already knew that. Okay, period, end of story. You know, he already knew that part of it because he's done this transaction before. They're the first ones to fuck up this royalty. Secondly, and I kind of touched on it already in this podcast. Teller had his ID and debit with PIN. And what I mean by teller had the ID and debit with PIN is she had that on her system as accepted IDs. The debit card that you slide and the PIN that you enter is already embedded in your system. So you you already entered it, quote unquote. And the ID that she took for the second one, she entered that in. She knew it was a California ID. 
So she did that part of the transaction. So according to bank, according to bank policy, she did all she theoretically could to protect the bank. So the fact that she made the call to say that she, they were being robbed by a customer who is their customer was not protecting the bank. She had did enough protection of the bank by accepting two IDs. She could have asked for a passport. She could have asked for another bank's credit card or something like that. And that's perfectly fine. I've seen managers do that. I don't like when they do that. Because there's nowhere to input all those IDs. You're not going to prove to corporate security that you're that much better at your job by writing you know, a third and fourth ID on a, on a paper somewhere. The bank says you need to enter two valid primary form or secondary forms of IDs to do this transaction. He provided them and it still wasn't good enough for them. So he was fully authenticated according to bank policy but not in their heads, okay? And I didn't put the California ID thing as one of the bullet points, so this is just going to be two-way here. Um, we were told at Bank of America here in New Mexico, I think there's like 33 branches in New Mexico, there's a lot less now, um, that most of the fraud in this country comes from California and Texas. Now, obviously, one's a hardcore like Republican state and the other one's a hardcore Democrat state, so it's not based on politics or anything, it's just based on population. There are several hundred Bank of America branches in Texas, and there's over a thousand in California, though they seem to be whittling those fucking down by the day in California. So we were told to say, well, if it's an out-of-state ID in California, just double-check and make sure it meets the characteristics, make sure it's not expired, yada, 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 whatever. And yes, he's in Georgia, and they're like, well, maybe she's never seen a California ID. You've fucking seen a California ID if you worked in a Bank of America. They have 67 million customers, and a good, I would say a third of those are in California with California IDs. You have, I, I saw a California ID the very first day I worked at Bank of America, and that was in a town of 7,000 people. So that is not abnormal by any means, okay? So yes, fraud happens with Californians, obviously the EDD unemployment fraud. And then in Texas, because Texas is what? The Wild West, right? We had this check-kiting scam thing going on. In my town and in El Paso when I was at Bank of America and they were out of Houston and they hit up some banks in Dallas for like several thousand dollar losses and they hit up El Paso and a couple of other cities and you know we're told to watch out for these people because they have Texas IDs better watch out Texas IDs means they're criminals and they didn't even know what their car was or they knew that they were two African-American males but it was just like, oh, they're from Texas. And just it's immediately a stigma. And it's not. Okay, Georgia's a big state too. So is a Georgia ID good? or it, it, it just never ends. And the bank teaches you to just be cognizant of your surroundings, which is fine. I don't hate the bank for saying to be vigilant. I've taken losses for the bank. And there were times I was not vigilant. And there were times where I probably should have lost my job and I got lucky. So I understand that part of it. But... He had two IDs, and they were both valid, so there was nothing wrong with that part of it. So don't try to blame him for that. According to the interview, his bullet point number three, Erica Glass mentioned that she had a, quote, red box notice on her screen. It's not red box, meaning that, hey, it's $1.50 to rent a DVD. Uh, we used to call red box notices red box notices whenever it required a supervisor to take a look at it. Maybe your, your teller limit is low, and I'm just assuming that her teller limit was really low because they mentioned that she was new whenever um, you saw the body, body cam footage. 
So $12,000, I'm going to say with 99.99% certainty that she could not take that money out by herself. That she needed her boss, an assistant manager, tell her supervisor to help her out with that. And, and the thing with that is, and what do you mean by help her out with that? That screen does not move until the assistant manager puts in his, his NBK or ZK, which is your bank ID number over there, and your password. And for all intents and purposes, that manager is taking ownership of that transaction, not the teller, saying, I checked the teller's work and it seemed to all check out here. So I, James Baca, have put my NBK and my password here saying that if something bad happens, well, I'm going to take the fall. That high-risk, quote, red box message that she mentioned was on the screen. And it was introduced in, like, 2016, a couple years before I left. And it was there for a couple of reasons. One, it was there to make sure that banks don't take losses. Fine, fair enough. I don't want to take a loss either. But two, and this is my personal opinion here, um, it's a fact. But, I mean, it's, it's, this is going to be full of opinion. The high-risk red box message was also meant to have a supervisor there to ask any questions that a teller may not ask about why a customer is doing something, whether it's a deposit of 10000 or withdraw of 10000 or in this case 12000 What do you mean by that? Everything goes back to fucking sales, okay? So if he's taking $12,000 out, what would you think that twelve is for? I mean, and don't, you know, think about this in your head for a second. Don't go off the deep end. Oh, he's buying drugs or he's going to the strip club because Atlanta had, what, the gold club where all the NBA players went to. No, don't think like that. Don't have don't have stupid minds like that. Just think of logical stuff. When do you walk around with 12K in cash? Whenever you're looking to buy a car in cash, right? And I'm in New Mexico and people buy fucking trailers to live in for the rest of their lives with $12,000 in cash. It's 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 a normal chunk. Of, it's not a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot. If, if you gave me twelve thousand now, I would do fucking cartwheels. But it's not a lot of money. That it could only let me live for so long happily. So the high risk transaction is there for the supervisor to say, "Who? What is going on here? Oh, Mister Kugler, you're looking to take out twelve thousand. Um, did you need that in a cashier's check? Or, and the reason why you asked that is because maybe he's." putting a down payment on a house maybe we can get a home loan out of this or if he's buying a car like if he if you wait for him to say oh yeah i'm buying a car well you know we have a 1.99 percent interest rate on car loans now um what are we looking to finance a dealer what's the deal like that high risk message is actually a quote high value sales message too and it's meant to have a supervisor look over your shit see if it's something that they can kind of pivot into a sale and if it's just, hey, a bullshit, I'm taking $12,000 out and it's none of your fucking business what you want. Well, sir, I need to verify your signature I, with a signature card here. And I also need to borrow your ID. And you have to give me a couple minutes. I just got to do a couple of things on my end. Be one second. It's a way to make sure that, that person never fucking does that again. High risk means, yeah, this person's a high risk of impacting my sales if I, if I don't get him the fuck out of here with his bullshit clogging up on my line. That's literally what it all comes down to at Bank of America. It all has a sales element to it. High-risk transaction is, ooh, maybe it's something we can get something out of. Oh, nah, it's not. Wait a second, sir. It's basically what it is. Bullet point number four, and this is, this is what I understood here. 
The teller called 911 directly, which is against proper escalation protocol. No silent alarm was a trip. As far as I know, she did not trigger her silent alarm. And there's a silent alarm underneath the computer by your cash box, typically. Um, every silent alarm is different. Mine was like a little, like, like you know those biometric things where you put your thumbprint on and it reads your thumbprint or whatever? It's kind of like that, except it was older and it had like a hook. So you put your finger in it and you pull the hook and it triggered the silent alarm. Um, and most bank, um, Bank of America associates have what are called handhelds, which are these little things that look like a car alarm button, which, um, if you hit one button, it doesn't trigger the alarm to trip off. You have to hit both buttons simultaneously, and then it trips off the silent alarm if you're within the vicinity of the bank. And then typically what happens is SOAC, which is security operations, I don't know what the fuck, it's been so long. Corporate security for Bank of America will call. It's like, hey, yes, this is James Baca calling from SOAC. My ID number is one two three four five six. Um, we understand there was a silent alarm trip here at this uh, particular branch. And then yes, we had a we had an incident. We had a crazy customer. We had a bomb threat or whatever. Well, you had a bomb threat. Please evacuate the building immediately and call nine one one whenever it is safe. SOAC is basically your your guide. And, and if a fucking old man slips on the ice and breaks his hip at the ATM, you call SOAC and say, hey, got an old man breaking his hip here. What do I do? You don't call the ambulance first. Everything goes through SOAC. So I think she called 911 out of school, out of protocol, because if she would have hit her silent alarm and SOAC would have called her or the assistant manager or anyone would have picked up, and, and yes, you know when it's SOAC calling because on the call ID at the banks, it'll say security operations, whatever. And you know to pick up that fucking phone. You don't let those people, like, you don't ignore their call. So someone should have picked up that phone and said, well, yeah, we had a customer did this and that. And they're going to ask you for questions. Do you feel in danger? And this is the thing where I'm probably wrong here, but she probably would have said yes to them. And they would have probably told her to call the cops. So there's, there's no winning here with that. But I think she called the cops directly without talking to them, which leads me to believe that Erica Glass probably got fired from her job for just messing up the escalation thing. And it's funny, I was talking to people on one of my live streams about her interview with the police and watching the body cam footage, the fucking security and life safety binder, the binder that tells you at Bank of America, if you have a person pass a note, here's what you do. It gives you all the steps for doing that shit right in that binder. And she's fucking talking to the cops with the binder right next to her. It's just hilarious to me. But I really do believe she called 911 first. And and sometimes the bank will say, yeah, if you're going to die, you know, you're going to get shot or something, call 911 and then we'll figure it out later. But if it's something that's kind of low level, kind of scary, but not like to the point of mass shooting going to happen, they tell you to trip your alarm and they'll help you with it. Because a lot of those SOAC people are former law enforcement people. I had an incident about six years ago, and I've talked about it in this podcast, where I had people harassing me. I had pictures of myself, private pictures, and kind of do with your imagination what you will with what kind of pictures they were. Um, that were stolen from me, sent to my boss, sent to co-workers, sent all over the place, sent to my family. And I had this harassment happening at work and it was impacting how I ate, how I slept or whatever. 
Um, I let my boss know. I said, this is happening to me. Can you please help? She told me to call SOAC. The SOAC person called, and um, he was talking to me about, like, his job, his previous job before Bank of America. And he was a, um, a person who worked for the FBI in Northern California. And then he, when we were talking about what happened with my pictures, he asked me, have you ever heard of the website is anyoneup.com? And this is 2013, 14 James talking here. I fucking loved that website whenever it was up. It was a horrible website. It was like a revenge porn site. Where it's like if someone broke up with you, you would put all of their porn pictures on there as a big fuck you to them. And it was just interesting. It was just a new wave of internet bullying. And I was at the point in my life where I believed that I was someone who should bully other people. I know it sounds stupid, but... That website was everything until that dude got arrested for breaking many, many laws and going to prison. And the dude that helped me from SOAC said that he was the lead investigator for that. And I'm like, oh my God, I know your work and, you know, I I understand the severity of that case. So I'm not going to ever shit on the SOAC people necessarily and saying, hey, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. I just know that they probably weren't talked to. Before this escalated out of control. Fifth bullet point, And I fucking hit this point home so many times. And I'm tired of hearing about it. Um, oh, why did he write a note? Doesn't he know that you're not supposed to write notes in the bank? Dude, everything's a fucking note in the bank. Okay, you have a deposit slip. And you can write first name, suck my dick. Second line, what's your address? Give me all your money. Third address, what's your city, state, and zip code? I'm going to blow this fucking bank up if you don't give me a $1,000. So do not give me that bullshit that, oh, he passed a note. Yeah, he wrote shit on there, but guess what? You don't know that it's a robbery note until you yourself read it. If someone gives you a note, that doesn't mean it's a robbery, okay? So it is not abnormal to write notes to tellers. Though robbers do use them, there are several times, and I'm going to say 10% of the time, at least 10% of the time, there is some form of paper note that is given to us by customers. More than likely, they're merchants, okay? Merchants typically give you notes that are handwritten that tells you what they want. And it doesn't necessarily mean a robbery. It means they have change in a zipper bag and they want to exchange it for coins. Merchants use paper notes all the time. If you're a merchant teller, every transaction is going to have a paper note with it, okay? I worked in an older part of uh, my town senior retirement area they say las cruces new mexico is one of the best places to retire to i don't disagree with that um but i did have a lot of older people who literally could not hear what the fuck i was saying but i also had a person who was a mute who just didn't talk and they communicated in notes which is fine and i had two people who were deaf and they could read lips do a little sign language. I can't do sign language, but they I, I could read their lips too when they were trying to mouth words. But a lot of the times, these people just wrote notes. They would ask me for a scratch pad, and they would say, uh, "Can you print out a statement for me?" Yes, I can. One second, and then I write down anything else for you today, and then they write down what else they want. We would communicate with letters like we're two romantic people a hundred years ago. Customers writing notes is not abnormal to me. It may be to you. And and some people may equate it like, hey, you can't say bomb in an airport. Well, yeah, you can't do that. But you know what? 
a bank before all this digital shit was all paper. So you can't say, don't ever use paper in a bank because they might think you're a robber. A robber. Well, guess what? It's impossible. Even in a digital age, there is a shit ton of paper in a bank. Trust me on this, okay? So it's not abnormal for people to write notes to tellers. He's probably done it before, and it's the first time it went fucking sideways. Six bullet point. It's normal to escort a high-profile client in a room to count money, or any person for that matter to count a large sum to prevent, quote, jugging. Jugging takes place when a crook spots a large transaction at a bank and follows a person at home for robbery purposes. I've had, we had this, this company, they work with NASA here in town. And it's a, it's a very well-off company. I mean, there's scientists and stuff there. There's a girl that I used to work with at Bank of America that works there now. And, um, amazing girl. I liked her a lot. She was really fun to hang out with. And, um, she moved on from Bank of America. She got a job there. These people, I know them from her. I know them from working at Bank of America when I was there. These people would go in and take out $100,000 cash. And they would ask for it all in hundreds. We would have to special order it and whatnot. It's a pain in the ass. And I used to hate being the teller to have to do that. Because there would be two of these guys and they would watch me count every single one of those bills. It got to the point whenever you're giving $100,000 away... And, of course, that can buy a house in these parts. Um, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary for you to hold the money. It's kind of scary to give them the money and so forth. So, 2015, 2016, whenever this would happen, um, the teller would do the transaction. We'd count the money on the counter. And I'd say, let's go to my office. Let's close the door. Let's lock the door. And I'll count it out to you. And you guys can verify it. You can ask me to put it through a counter if you want. And then you guys be on your way. They did this to give cash bonuses to their employees. Which, as a person who understands small businesses, it's weird giving people cash bonuses. I don't know, there's some weird tax implication that I don't know about. But they did it, and I did it for them. Closed the door, he counted the money, he moved on. So, him asking to not make a scene... Yeah, maybe it's narcissistic of him to think that everyone's going to know who he is. Whatever, that's fine. I want to think that people know who I am whenever I'm walking down the street too. But you don't have to be known in order to want that privacy. And the one thing I said in my little three-minute TikTok video that I started with last week was Bank of America's protocol, and I just know B of A because I was a teller there is to identify your customer by name three times. Hey, Mr. Kugler, how you doing, Mr. Kugler? What can I get for you today? Oh, you need to take $12,000 out, Mr. Kugler? Be happy to do that for you. You say the person's name three times. And then you also verify the transaction three times. Mr. Kugler, what can I get for you? I need to take $12,000 out. Oh, you need to take $12,000 out. Okay, that's fine. All right, let me just go to my screen here. Um, hit the W for withdrawal. So once again, that's $12,000, correct? Yes. And I can understand why you'd be pissed at that point because like, I'm not listening to you. Type it in. Can I borrow your ID? Okay, sounds good. Well, I do need an override from my manager, so it'll be just one second here. So just to finally confirm before I go, it's going to be $12,000, correct? Motherfucker, yes, I said it. $12,000. You, I said it three times. You said it three times again. We're good. It's $12,000. 
Bank of America's policy is for you to just name the transaction three times to prevent any miscommunication to make sure that you don't have to do the transaction again, especially if it's that amount and so forth. But it gets fucking annoying, and I remember being one of the fastest people to do deposits at my bank. A little under 20 seconds. It is hard to talk to a person normally to say their name three times in any amount of time in a conversation. But to say their name, hey, Mr. Johnson, how you doing, Mr. Johnson? One, two, three, four, five hundred dollars, Mr. Johnson. Anything else for you today? Well, thank you, Mr. Johnson. You have a great day. It's hard to just pack all that shit into 19 seconds. So whenever I'd hear myself talk, I used to tell my bosses, I'm like, um, yeah, why do I have to say his name three times? Why do, why do I have to draw attention to this person and me when I sound like I'm like amped up on caffeine or something? He's probably been through that. He probably doesn't like the attention. He's like, can you just take me somewhere so people don't see me? Because I'm going to walk out of here with a fat stack of cash. Maybe none of them have ever done that before. I find that highly unlikely because I did it over 100 times probably. So I, I don't get that part of it to me. Like, why was that such an abnormal thing to have him count it out in another room? They literally make rooms like that in some branches. They literally have an office saying, yeah, that office, if you need to take your customer to count money or to put them on the phone with a mortgage officer, that's yeah, we don't use that office only once in a while. They could have done that. And that fucking bank was huge. Talk about fucking elaborate banks. My bank had cockroaches. That house looked that it looked like a fucking courthouse, that bank. It looked like an old southern courthouse. It had high ceilings and brick outside. It was beautiful. And I'm like, we didn't have a working urinal the last five years in my Bank of America. Alright, two more bullet points and I'm done. Ryan Coogler could have died because of this teller's neglect. Along with the neglect of the assistant manager who was her boss... Who just backed up the teller willy-nilly. I really do believe in the hierarchy of who should be in trouble here. Number one, the assistant manager. No one is saying that. Not the teller. The teller was stupid, but it's not all her fault. The assistant manager is the voice of reason. The assistant manager is the only way to get past a certain screen and to interact with that customer one-to-one before that transaction happens. So whenever she excuses herself, even if everything was fine and hunky-dory, that assistant manager was going to have to review that transaction. So it all falls to him, and it was a him in the video as well. So absolutely 100% he should be fired from his job because he let that shit escalate into something bizarre where even the average Joe understands the extremes they went at Bank of America to prevent a black man, Ryan Coogler, from getting his own money out. Number two, in terms of hierarchy, who should be in trouble is the teller. She should lose her job. She doesn't deserve to be in banking if you don't understand that not everything is a threat. I used to think that too when I first started working at the bank, that, oh my God, we can get robbed at any time. You can get robbed at a fucking bowling alley at any time. I live in Las Cruces, New Mexico, where 32 years ago last month, seven people were shot, five people were murdered execution style in the back of the head in a bowling alley a bowling alley where you go to have fun on friday nights with your friends is that a bank no in 1990 a bowling alley couldn't have but a thousand bucks in there so once you get over the fact that you know you can get robbed you can get robbed anywhere then you can go on with your day she just seemed too jumpy and i've had people 
mostly men, funny enough, but some women say, well, yeah, there's this thing called pregnancy brain and, you know, you lose your senses. I, I want to believe that, but I worked with so many pregnant girls over the years at Bank of America. Yeah, some of them were kind of flighty. Some of them were just, just bad employees, to be honest with you. But not everyone goes through that, too. How can you just all of a sudden turn a random transaction into some paranoid, schizophrenic thing? Like, oh my god, this guy's going to rob us and kill us. Like, it doesn't make sense. It just seems like she needs to go because she can't even comprehend what is a basic transaction. Now, there's another element to that. The over 10,000 withdrawal element that she wouldn't have been smart enough to do. I know this because I wasn't smart enough to do it as a teller. You need a supervisor for that. You need to double check IDs because that's one of those things. It's one of those those forms that the banks care about at the end of the day, end of the quarter, because it keeps them from um, error making errors on a lot of their documents. Whenever you have a manager there to second a transaction like that, she had that, but she chose to say, "Hey, this person's robbing the bank. Let's call the cops on him." Whatever. And then the final one, oh, let me say why well, I said assistant manager, then teller. Then the SOAC people, if SOAC did interact with the teller, if they told her to call the cops based on the information she gave them about what the, quote, alleged robbery was, then they need to go, whoever took the call. And then number four, I do not fault the manager at all. One, one, you know, She could have been more accepting of responsibility. She did a hell of a time basically just trying to point out Oh, she's pregnant. She's new. Whatever. Just throw all the fucking excuses at the cops. Why don't you? Jesus Christ. You know, some people can just be stupid. And you know what? You can reprimand a person there. She can't fire that teller. She has to go through legal or whatever. But she can say, why did you do this? Look at this mess you made. You could have talked to the manager. Why did you guys make a decision that this person was a crook? So on and so forth. It seemed that in the in the brief amount of time she was interviewed in the videos... She was just trying to skirt responsibility. She was just kind of a, a middle person from corporate security, protective services manager, and her. And like there was there was like this middle ground that she wasn't a part of it. She just walked in or whatever. Well, as a as a manager at another branch, which she was, and I'll get to that in a second here. She should know better. She's trained associates. She's probably had to fire associates. She's probably had to write, write up associates. So she knows how kind of things can kind of dovetail. And let's just, I, I don't know how long she's worked at the bank, but let's just say she worked there as long as I did 13 years. You've experienced a lot of situations, and you probably experienced something to this effect, where a teller is telling you not all the information, and it leads you to make a decision that is wrong based on the teller's needs because the teller wasn't giving you the full scope of what happened. I've been on both sides of that as a teller looking to cover my ass and as a manager trying to understand why my customers are pissed off. So there was a lot that has to do with that. So the manager should accept responsibility, though she was placed there by a bank, a fucking bank, like Bank of America, that has temporarily closed a lot of bank branches in the Atlanta area. I've been talking about it for two years since COVID. They're still, quote, temporarily closed because of COVID-19 protocols or whatever. And I'm like, dude, every fucking state, including my crazy state, has opened up again mask mandates. Aside from, like, Hawaii or a thing of the past. So, um, why aren't these branches open again? Oh, yeah, they're in poor black neighborhoods or very low sales, right? 
But in Atlanta, Buckhead, where fucking millionaires are, a lot of professional athletes live in. As far as I know, Tyler Perry has his studios within, you know, shouting distance of there. Yeah, keep that one open because that's where important wealthy clients are. Have a Merrill Lynch person in the office. Have a fucking mortgage officer in the office. They transferred her over to that branch because she worked at a poor black branch in a poor neighborhood. And they put her in a rich neighborhood. Why? Because she's been there a long time and she could sell, 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 sell. So my final bullet point is the manager, while not at her normal branch, could have been more accepting responsibility. She has a process to go through to to get that teller fired or written up or whatever. And I don't know if that happened or not because I'm unclear about it. But you don't get to be a branch manager just from the unemployment office. You have to work your way to be a manager or have previous managerial experience somewhere else in order to be installed as a BCM or an FCM as a center manager. She should have known a lot better, okay, about what's going on in her bank, even though it's not her bank. She seemed to use that as an excuse, and I'm not letting her use it as an excuse to get away from this shit. I sympathize, I empathize with her that she can't be working at her branch, but Bank of America decided that poor black people don't need Bank of America branches, but rich white people do. So that's why she's there. She needs to get a write-up, a reprimand or something. Um, I, I don't know. I, I wish I knew, but it's just it's just crazy to me. So there's all this perfect storm of shit. And, and a man gets arrested, and his name is literally all over fucking Twitter. And I know Twitter's going to be just dirty with this Kugler robbery story for months because of what Bank of America did to this man. Bank of America, in a statement, said that they apologized to Ryan Kugler for this incident. And the, the bank manager, if you look on my police cam footage, she apologizes directly face-to-face -face with him, too. Now, I, without a doubt, believe that her apology was sincere because that shit's embarrassing whenever your name is on a stupid incident like that and you're like, I want nothing to do with this. But a bank spokesperson apologizing to Ryan Coogler is just fucking lame as shit. It's like, you caused this guy a lot of grief. On January 7th. And Asari is going to cut it. I hope he gets money. And, and you know what's going to happen too, right? This week, Bank of America is going to make some fucking $500,000 donation to some charity that Kugler's part of. Or to some charity that just honestly, if it has the word black or African American or whatever in it, it's going to be a donation that Bank of America makes because, oh, we're committed to changing the lives or whatever. Now you're committed that you got fucking caught doing something you shouldn't and you're going to throw more money at a charity, which, of course, the charity needs it and they deserve it. But you're just throwing more money at it to throw away the stink of what you did to Ryan Coogler, okay? I've talked about this for an hour now and I'm going to wrap it up. But like I said, you know, you listen to me because I give you perspective from the bank side of things as a former employee as a pundit, as someone who commentates on these type of things, but also as a practical human being, okay? Customer service is a lost art. The fact that Bank of America at this branch had fucking people going up to him while he's chilling out waiting for his own money. And they're saying, oh, have you been helped? Oh, we'll be right with you. So I just wanted to check. I saw you standing around. Knowing that behind the scenes, this little master plan to call the cops to get this man fucking dragged out of your bank... Because someone in your team thought a piece of paper meant that he is fucking Bonnie and Clyde? No, that's just wrong, man. It's just wrong. And Bank of America knows better than this, okay? 
I, I've, I've said this a million times before, and I'll say it again, and I'm going to wrap it up because I'm tired. People that work at banks are not stupid. They're, in fact, very bright. You need to be very bright to be very good at sales, unless you're like a hooker or something. I don't know. Um, but you have to have a keen skill of kind of reading a room. When you're a salesperson, you know when someone's not interested in your product. Whenever you look someone in the eye, and I, I got good at this over the years. Looking people in the eye was not my strong suit. And then I learned how to look people in the eye working at the bank. And I used to be able to make fucking girls melt. I know this sounds, this is, sounds weird, but because of that confidence, that, even that phony bullshit bank confidence that Bank of America gave me, I used to be able to look people in the eye. And there's this, this strength that, that, that comes with a simple just eye-to-eye contact. And some people aren't used to that. Some people shy away. Some people see it as a sexual thing. Some people see it as, a, as oh man, this guy must mean business because he's looking me straight in the eye. I never realized how powerful that shit was. And you know what? You, you know how I know it's powerful? Because she said in the police interview that he had sunglasses on and a hat and whatever. If she would have looked him in the eye and he would have looked back even though he had glasses on. And this eye contact would have been made. This connection would have been made. You know when someone is out to do you dirty or to hurt you or whatever. She would have not felt that with him. She decided to just say, well, piece of, piece of paper as a note. Person in a hoodie. This guy's bad news from the get-go. And she she did everything she could to prove that she was the boss. But she's just a teller. Yeah, she makes $21 an hour. That's a pretty good living. But you know what? Just because you make good money doesn't mean that you're important in what you do. I defend tellers all the time. I used to be one. I know how hard of a job it is. And I am not for one second ever going to say that she has an easy job. She's just counting money all day. Being a teller sucks because you have a lot of training. You have a lot of things that you need to know and you need to know them well. And you need to make sure that you protect the bank from losses. All the while getting referrals for sales because that's what the bank is all about. Well, you know what? That's a hard job, but apparently she didn't know Rule 101. Not everyone's out to get you. The fact that she did this now makes me believe, and this is my personal opinion. I'm going to fucking wrap it up here. I'm tired. I used to work with a girl like her. And it. I guarantee you this was not the first time an incident happened. Not like this Googler thing, but an incident happened where... She caused more drama for a customer than what was needed for the transaction. I've had people like this. It's not fun. Coworkers don't like them. Managers don't like them because it just keeps them on their toes. Um, but they do exist out there. And it seems to me that she's kind of like one of them. And, and all I can say is that's fine. You can be overprotective of yourself to keep your job. But when it comes at nearly costing someone some someone's freedom much less their life you really need to get the fuck out of that business period end of story i left a one-star review on the bank of america branch in atlanta describing what went on here talking about the teller's role and the system manager's role and so forth there's so much going on guys with this and i know you guys are getting tired of hearing about it me too I just wanted to give you the bullet points from my perspective of what happened behind the scenes that you may not have heard. Ryan Coogler, you are a better man than me to basically say that you feel that you're done with this conversation with Bank of America. 
I'm not, and maybe that makes me a bad person for wanting to dwell on your misfortune. Um, but the fact of the matter is this happens all the time, my friend. And I just want to make sure that I'm here to talk about it with everyone who listens to this podcast. Bank of America, you need to do fucking better. This is now the fourth incident of banking while black I've seen in the last year. And it's just, it's just not cutting it. It's not fair. It's not fun. It's embarrassing to just identify with the fact that I worked at your bank for a long time. I know there's going to be some fucking bullshit training that's going to pop up in everyone's portals. And you're going to tell your tellers and your bankers all across the country to take this training. But then you're going to have to take it between customers because we've got to make sales. And we've got to make sure that our survey scores are up. That way we can get a good bonus, right? Yeah, they'll talk about they did a training for this and they'll have conversations. Nothing will change and then we'll do this again. Maybe it won't be Ryan Coogler. Maybe it won't be Spike Lee. Maybe it will not be Robert De Niro. But there will be some person who is going to be alienated and their freedom possibly taken away by a rogue bank employee who decides that everything that looks legit isn't legit. So I'm going to call the cops on this person. And guys, I'll be here for the fireworks. My name is James, Notorious Banker. I did have a TikTok page with over 18,000 followers, at Notorious Banker, at Bank Better Guy on Twitter, and at Notorious Banker on Instagram. I'll keep you updated with uh, what's going on with my um, TikTok account. And also, I'll bring you more information on my Twitter, at Bank Better Guy, as breaking news warrants about this case, or if anything else pops up. But in the meantime, until next time, my name is James Baca, the Notorious Banker, signing off. Thank you for listening to one hour and two minutes of talking about this crazy case. I am now officially done talking about it. Uh, but we'll talk to you again soon with another topic on the Notorious Banker podcast. You have a great night.